Pod 616 initiating launch sequence. Superheroes will always spark the imagination of people around the world. With great power comes great responsibility. Face front, true believers. Excelsior! Stand by for Pod 616 launch. Three, two, one. Launch. Godspeed, Pod 616. True believers, welcome back to Pod 616. We may encounter any myth, legend, or lore in the timely history of Marvel, from printed page to silver screen to mobile gaming and anything in between. I'm JJ. And I'm Deacon. Pod 616 is something completely different. We hope that you join us on this exploration of everything that is the mighty Marvel. On today's episode, we continue on our multi-part series on the legendary Stan Lee. This is Pod 616, Episode 004, The Secret Origins of Stan Lee, Part 2. Now, in our last episode, we talked about Martin Goodman. He was the publisher and owner of New Stand Publications, including Timely Comics Publishing Division. If you haven't heard that episode, it is episode 003. And at the end of that episode, Stanley Lieber, office assistant, was promoted to the new editor-in-chief of Timely Comics. Yeah. So this week, we're going to talk about Stanley Martin Lieber. Born December the 28th, 1922 in New York City to Celia Solomon and Jacob Lieber. His dad was a trained dress cutter, but he lived during the Depression and he was unable to find consistent work. And like many during the Great Depression, it was difficult or impossible for Jacob to find work in the garment district. I mean, he would go out every day looking for jobs. He was trying to earn a living, but he just couldn't. And in fact, at one point, he even tried opening a restaurant, but that failed as well. Now, Stanley's earliest recollections were of his parents arguing if they didn't pay the rent. During the most difficult years of the Depression, he witnessed his parents quarreling over money or the lack of it. Can you imagine during the depression how many arguments took place and you know how that that stress of money that the stresses over these arguments deeply affected the young boy. His father Jacob became more and more depressed and anxious and demanding and his mother Celia wanted little to do with Jacob. She basically got disgusted with him. She would sometimes have to beg money from her sisters just for them to make ends meet. And it was this kind of stress that probably destroyed thousands of families just like the Liebers during the Depression. Now, Stanley's younger brother, Larry, was born in 1931, and the Lieber family had to move into a smaller apartment where Stanley slept on the living room couch. Celia filled Stanley with her own hopes and dreams. She believed that education was Stanley's ticket out of their dire circumstances like many, many others during that time. She read stories to him and had him read stories to her. And she pushed him to excel in his education and even to skip grades. I mean, we're talking about 1930s. And she she could be the catalyst that we could all thank for having all of these superheroes nowadays. We think Celia Lee. I mean, this mother during the Depression had such a huge impact on this boy. And we're going to find out that this boy had kind of a big impact on 
all of us. So, I mean, we're connected. Now, Stanley wanted to please his mother, so he worked hard to skip those grades. He had a precocious intellect, but he found it difficult to make friends with other children in school. They would make fun of him because they were older and he was younger, because he was, a, you know, he was a smart kid, or because they had gone to school together for years and he was the outsider. But Stanley found a mentor in Leon B. Ginsburg. Each day, Ginsburg would tell a funny story about a fictitious baseball player named Swat Mulligan. The stories were always funny and exciting and engaging, and more importantly, they created a fun atmosphere that made learning fun. Lieber learned a life lesson from Ginsburg. Whenever he wanted to communicate something with anybody, he learned to make it light and fun and colorful and engaging. Another thing Stanley liked to do was go to the movies. He loved to go to the movies, and it was at Lowe's 175th Street Theater. He was inspired by the comedy of the Marx Brothers, Laurel and Hardy, The Adventures of Tarzan, The Jungle Mystery, The Adventures of a Man-Ape. Stanley described himself later as a voracious reader, especially of Shakespeare's drama and comedy and the sound of his words. Unemployment in 1929 was about 3%, yeah. but... Three years later, 1932, it was 24%. I rocketed. 6,000 New Yorkers tried to make ends meet by selling apples on the street. But by 1931, most of the street vendors were gone and grocery sales had dropped by 50%. New Yorkers scoured garbage cans and dumps looking for food. Tens of thousands of people in New York City were forced to live on the street or in shanty towns along the banks of the East River and the Hudson River. So Jacob's career essentially disappeared and he would search for work but he would hardly ever find it his perpetual unemployment meant that stanley needed to get a job as soon as possible any bit of extra money they could save for their family i mean as he became a teenager stanley was always either in school working or wandering the streets looking for work he worked as an usher at a theater at a factory that made jeans and even as a writer assembling celebrity obituaries so now we're going to get into the timely mythology okay there are are a couple of different accounts of Stan Lee getting his job at Timely Comics. They're not the same, and we don't really even know which one is true. Okay. In one account, Celia urged him to hustle through high school and for him to get a job. And in this version of the story, Celia tells Stanley of a job opening where her brother Robbie worked at a publishing company. Robbie was married to the publisher Martin Goodman's sister, Sylvia. Stanley Lieber walked into McGraw-Hill on West 42nd Street with no knowledge of what comic books even are. The then editor-in-chief of Timely Comics, Joe Simon, explains to the kid what comic books are and hires him as an office assistant. Simon and Kirby were so busy and overworked with their new book, Captain America, that they needed someone, anyone, really, to take care of mundane tasks so that they can concentrate on creating. All right, now the Stan Lee version of this story is uh, that Stan Lee recalls an ad in a newspaper for assistant wanted in a publishing house. Now, if Lee's story is correct, then he started working at Timely in the late 39 and opposed to the historically documented hire date of 1940. In his 1990 biography, The Comic Book Makers, Joe Simon gives a slightly different account. He says, quote, One day, Goodman's relative known as Uncle Robbie came to work with a lanky 17-year-old in tow. This is Stanley Lieber, Martin's wife's cousin. Martin wants you to keep him busy. 
In an appendix, however, Joe Simon appears to reconcile the two story accounts, and he relates a 1989 conversation that he had with Stan Lee. Now, Lee said, I've been saying this classified ad story for years you know he's had he's found this story in the paper but apparently it isn't so and i can't remember because he's said it so long now that he believes it you know we've done that you you think you've you've said something so many times that you kind of wonder is that the truth or did i make that up but simon says no, your Uncle Robbie brought you into the office one day, and he said, this is Martin Goodman's wife's nephew. You are 17 years old. Lee's like, no, 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 I'm 16 and a half. And Simon says, well, Stan, you told me 17. You're probably trying to be older. And so he hired him at 17. Okay, so we don't really know which of these versions of this story are true. I absolutely believe that Stan Lee has been telling a story for 40 years, and he might believe that. Yeah. However, I probably think that Joe Simon's version is maybe most accurate. Probably. At first, his job entailed sweeping the office, filling ink jars, and fetching sandwiches, but he learned so much from Simon and Kirby. Can you imagine Joe Simon and Jack Kirby and being able to learn under them? Okay, so Simon and Kirby were both writer slash artists. And when they did their projects, they both did everything. They both wrote, they both illustrated. So Stanley learned from these do-it-all guys how to assemble stories and art all as one thing. Lee's entry into Timely Comics proved to be a big step in his career. He started out by doing menial jobs, but soon made his comic book debut with the text filler, Captain America Foils the Traitor's Revenge. In 1941, Lee started getting opportunities to do actual comics with a backup feature. He created Destroyer in Mystic Comics number six, and he created Jack Frost in USA comic number one. And he created Father Time in Captain America number six. Simon and Kirby left Timely in 1941 after Captain America number 10. The circumstances of their departure are a matter of lore rather than history. Simon and Kirby's Captain America book was a hit, but supposedly and probably likely. Martin Goodman was under-reporting sales figures so that he wouldn't have to pay the creative team as large a percentage of the profits. So Simon and Kirby started leaving the offices for lunch. They rented a hotel nearby and they were moonlighting for National Comics. Which would later become DC Comics. Right. One day, Stan followed them out of the office and found out what they were doing. And they invited him in and they told him. But in the comics industry, all of the people knew each other, and it was kind of an open secret that Simon and Kirby were double dipping. Simon negotiated a better salary at National Comics for himself and Kirby, and the two started to plan their transition. Eventually, Goodman found out and told Simon and Kirby to leave after Captain America number 10. Now, it isn't clear if Stan Lee had a role in Goodman finding out or not. More than likely, it was Robbie Solomon, Goodman's brother-in-law. But Jack Kirby would blame Stan Lee and hold a grudge against him for the rest of his life. Okay, 1941, at the age of 18, Lee was made interim editor of Timely Comics. As managing editor, head writer, and art director, 
It was suddenly his job to provide Martin Goodman with a deluge of books to flood the market. Can you imagine 18 years old with that responsibility? And remember, this is Martin Goodman's business strategy. Find something that works and produce tons of it and eat up all of the rack space. But I think he underestimated this uh, little 18-year-old kid because Stan Lee did the smart thing. He mimicked Simon and Kirby. He had to produce content, and in order to make it seem as though Timely staff was larger than it was, Lee created thinly veiled pseudonyms, Stan Martin, Neil Nats, or other plays on his name. He worked with freelance artists to make up for the loss of Kirby. So if you're checking out our show notes for the show, you'll see a couple of clippings from these very early books. These books are from literally the first issues that Stan Lee produced as editor-in-chief. And I went in and I found where he had signed his name, Stan Lee, instead of Stan Lee. And I also found where he had signed his name, Neil Nats. And if you look close and flip it around 180 degrees, I think you'll get a little kick. Goodman may have wanted someone with more experience to run the comics division, but Stan had demonstrated that he could handle the task. And Goodman may have had a short attention span and eventually stopped looking for a replacement. All right, it's time for us to talk about Stan Lee, United States Army soldier. Ooh. In 1942, the United States began to mobilize for World War II, and Stan Lee knew that he could not just stay home. Stan enlisted in November 9th, 1942, and based on his results on the Army General Classification Test, Lee was assigned to the Signal Corps, where he learned to deploy telegraph wire, which he thought would lead him to being deployed to the front lines. However, when his commanding officers learned that he was an editor at a publishing company, he was assigned to the training film division, where he produced manuals, training films, and slogans, which is why he was classified in the military as playwright. Only nine people in the army carried that title. And he worked alongside some big names. You might've heard of Frank Kappa, yeah. Academy Award winner, or Charles Adams. Creator of Adams Family, yeah. Right, Theodore Geisel, do you know that name? Dr. Seuss. And William Saroyan. I don't know that one. Yeah, he's a Pulitzer Prize winner. Academy Award winner. He's a famous writer. The Army had trouble recruiting accountants to work in the Army Finance Department. That's something that you don't think about with the Army. And the department struggled to make payroll every month. So Stan was tasked with rewriting training materials for officers working in that division. Lee simplified the training materials and introduced a cartoon character on some of the pages. Fiscal Freddy, a soldier trying to get his paycheck. <laughs> kind of like Beetle Bailey. <laughs> Payroll officer training was shortened by 50%. And in one joke, Lee said that he single-handedly won the war right there. Stanley worked on training materials the same way that he did for Goodman's publishing company, fast and efficiently. When the other Army playwrights could not keep pace with Lee, his commanding officer ordered him to slow down. The training film division based in Astoria, Queens, is less than five miles from timely offices. Lee, who's a workaholic, he used his free time to continue writing for Timely Comics. Wherever he was deployed, he would receive letters from Goodman's editors on Fridays outlining stories that they needed. And over the weekend, in his free time, he would type them up and send them back on Mondays so they could make the deadline. Unbelievable, this man was a workaholic. Now, in one madcap event, Lee stopped by the mailroom on a Friday, okay? And a bored mail clerk had overlooked his letter and told him there was no mail. 
Lee stopped by the closed mailroom on Saturday and spotted a letter in his mailbox with the timely address. Lee asked the officer in charge to open the mailroom, but the officer told him to wait until Monday. Well, as you can imagine, Stan didn't like that, so he got a screwdriver and broke into his mailbox. The officer in charge saw what he did and turned Lee over to the captain that didn't like him at all. But the colonel in charge of the finance department intervened and prevented Lee from being charged with mail tampering, which could have earned him a stint in Leavenworth. Sergeant Lee, aged 23, signed his name to his discharge paper in late September 1945. From the Army Discharge Center in Camp Atterbury, Indiana, he jumped into his black Buick convertible and began a 700-mile journey back to his helm at Goodman's Publishing Company, now known as Atlas Comics, and located on the 14th floor of the Empire State Building. So Stan Lee is still a young man at the age of 23, right out of the Army, rushing back to keep his job in the publishing industry. And this is where we will continue in our secret origins of Stan Lee. So in honor of Stan the Man Lee this week, we have some unlimited Marvel Unlimited recommendations that highlight our whimsical writer. Okay, so I, I went through and picked these out because I was surprised that they were even available. But more importantly, I really want people to see what things were like back then. So again, if you get our show notes and they're posted on the patron page, just go over there and follow. You don't have to subscribe, but just follow and you can get the show notes. In our show notes, I have picked out a few issues. Uh, we'll start with Marvel Mystery Comics. You actually have a huge run available from issue number two to issue 75, which covers 1939 to 1949. This is going to allow you to see the work of Timely Comics before and after Stan Lee, before and after the Army. Now, you can also check out Captain America number three. It was from 1941, and it's Captain America Foils the Traitor's Revenge, and that was the one where Stan Lee did the filler story on. You might be surprised if you go to Marvel Unlimited and check these books out. Some of them are 64 pages long and there's not one story. There's like five. There's a bunch of interesting stuff in these books. Okay, so we have Captain America number three and we have Captain America number six. In number six, he introduces the characters of Father Time, Headline Hunter, and he also wrote another filler story, Trap for a Traitor. Now, in 1941 as well, he wrote Wartime Comics number one, where he introduced The Defender and Jack Frost. He also did Captain America number 11, where he was the writer and the editor. And Captain America number 11, which you will realize Jack Kirby and Joe Simon left after Captain America number 10. So Stanley is now in charge as the writer, editor, producer, all of this for Captain America number 11, which is also available on Marvel Unlimited. Okay, the last book I want to recommend is The Silver Surfer. This is a 1988 one-shot where Stan Lee and French artist Mobius teamed up. Mobius? His, his name is Mobius. <laughs> sounds like a superhero. <laughs> yeah. The art in this book is spectacular. It's beautiful. And the writing is splendid. And it gives you a sense of the depth of ability that Stan Lee actually possesses. Because I think in one part of your mind, you kind of think of Stan Lee as this kind of cartoony, smiling Marvelite. But honestly, his work is splendid. So check this one out, Silver Surfer from 1988. 
Well, that's all that we can fit into this episode of Pod 616. And we are not done talking about the secret origins of Stanley. This is a multi-part episode that you need to continue to keep listening because we will have more to come on the exciting life of Stan Lee. We have a couple episodes coming up before we can carry on with that secret origins. We'll be back with that probably in the summer. Right. Now, our next episode, be sure and catch it. It is episode 005, Deadpool. Do you have some characters or creators or interesting things in the Marvel Universe that you want us to profile? Tweet us. Questions, comments, ideas, complaints at POD616. Or you can join our Discord server at discord.gg slash U-M-C-O-C. The show is available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Just search for POD616. This is a brand new show, so please like, subscribe, review. By the way, JJ is publishing some shooting scripts for each episode with lots of extra content that we find during our research. So check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash pod 616. The scripts are posted weekly with the shows and they're available for free for everybody. But if you love the show, help us pay for this thing. Chuck a buck our way. Now guys, this is super important. Even if you don't pledge to support the show, please go to patreon.com slash pod 616 and follow us there. This is the only real way that we can measure the success of this show and whether it lives or dies depends on you. Next episode we continue with 005 Deadpool. Until next time, true believers. Pod 616 was written and produced by JJW and Deacon OTR and is a member of the UMCOC Podcast Network.